up, guys? Welcome to The Grind Podcast, where I talk about hunting, entrepreneurship, fitness, and the daily grind and what it takes to earn success. I'm your host, Eric Van Workham, and today we're going to have another Senate Series 2.0 uh, behind the scenes with uh, Mealy Freak Aaron and Mealy Freak Tyler. Tyler, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Always fun to be on with you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Ty- Tyler's a part of our crew in the sense that Tyler's a really good friend. He's loyal. He's trustworthy. And... The harder the hunt, the worse it is, the more miserable, the more he likes it. So, <laughs> Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tyler's one of those guys who likes to earn it. He likes to suffer, and he, he, he enjoys it. So, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, uh, we, we talked about this, especially in our uh, bonsai bears hunt that, by the way, we still need to do a podcast for. But um, the more miserable it is, the, the more memorable it is looking back at it. Absolutely. And, like, that's... I think that's why I am drawn to like backcountry hunting and hunting the high country specifically. It's like, it always just brings a, a different sense of misery and, and, uh, it make like you said, makes the hunt more memorable and, uh, it's just that much more rewarding in the end too. So, so let's dive right in. We're going to talk about the film burn bucks. Um, that's a high country archery mule deer hunt where you and Aaron go hard in the paint but uh, I'm a credit whore, so I'm just going to uh, just toot my own horn here a little bit that I uh, tipped you guys off to an absolutely phenomenal unit. I, I remember when I was trying to get Tyler to apply for it, Tyler had a few points, and, you know, he was kind of a little bit set on, uh, you know, a former unit that he had hunted. I was like, no, dude, you, you got to listen to me on this one. This one's going to be epic. You, are you sure? Are you sure? I think I'm just going to do my old one. No, listen, you guys got to put in together. I think you'll draw. And what a... Uh, you know, what an opportunity and, and tremendous adventure it was. And Aaron did a little bit of scouting. Uh, how, how did Tyler, how did Aaron do on the scouting front? He just oh had a boy. baby. So I know, I know there was a little bit of friction here with Aaron's effort and scouting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I would say it was subpar, <laughs> to, say, subpar. To, to say the least. Yeah. Right. I was money. Look, look, <laughs> look what we went into. Well, I, I, I will say this. It was better than just going in blind like I have done in the past. So we're, we did a lot of e-scouting beforehand. That's what made the hunt, really. Yeah. The e-scouting because yeah, I... literally where Ty and I decided to go to is where we spent – well, where Ty spent four or five days where I spent 11 days. So, so did you actually hunt the spots you scouted in person, Aaron? Yeah. So, so we were just – I was just below it when I scouted. So same area, but I didn't get up on top and looking into the opposite drainages. So I didn't get all the way to where we actually hunted, but I went up part way. I was close, but the the big thing was like Aaron's first scouting trip was just figuring out access points and like the best roads to take in, best way to to access these drainages and and these basins that we wanted to hunt because I had a plan of going in a different way. So, so Aaron, uh, yeah, you spent a whole day just driving around, looking at different roads, looking at the condition and like glassing up there where he could, because I think there were some storms or something. So it was kind of foggy and he couldn't really see in there very well, but, but at least he fit, he figured out the best way to, to get in there. Uh, and then made the hike in as easy as possible, even though it was still a grind. Yeah. So that first scouting trip, I basically, like Ty said, I marked off two places that we couldn't end up going. One was we couldn't drive through because it was private land. So there wasn't access. And then another way, um, just terrible roads. So couldn't get in that way. Third spot was a charm. Found a road that took us exactly where we wanted to be. Second scouting trip I went on, went to that road again. And then I hiked up part way. Um, I probably got like 75% of the way to the top and uh, I didn't get all the way to the top where Ty and I ended up hunting but I got pretty close so it was e-scouting was super big and then yeah like Ty said I was able to mark off a couple places where where we couldn't go and ended up finding a a great place in there yeah so So what knowledge did you two have of the area prior to even getting in there what did you know about it besides on I said, hey, you need to focus on this area. You guys need to really try to draw this. There's big deer there. Like, what else did you know? Uh, so, personally, I knew absolutely zero. Uh, I 
other than like hearing through the grapevine that this unit was was pretty good um yeah really i didn't know anything like where to start at all so i just use all my online resources to start figuring stuff out just like i do on any hunt but uh mainly base map and google earth but i also use a few other things that that uh give me a little extra information um but yeah it's, it's really just come down to like i've spent the last 10 years doing this like spending time on google earth and then going to those spots and seeing what it actually looks like in person so i feel like i've gotten pretty good at, at looking at what appears to be good butt country and uh and then going there and it ended up being pretty decent something that's interesting is when ty and i were e-scouting i believe we both put a marker here on a marker there on base map too so we both thought it looked good and and uh it obviously ended up being good going back to tyler you know liking things to suck i was like oh this spot this is like ten thousand feet oh not not high enough uh let's go higher eleven thousand that's <laughs> eleven five that's better <laughs> so that uh Ty just bases his, he says he uses Google Earth and stuff, but he basically just tries to get as high as he can. I think that's Ty's. Yeah. So, so let's back, let's, uh, let's backtrack a little bit, dude. Uh, you looked like your face had got ran over, uh, kind of on the hike in. And once you got to the top of mountain, talk about, talk about your time, timeline on getting there and hunting and, and what was going on at work and home and why you looked like crap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So basically what it comes down to is like, I talked to my wife and I put these hunts on the calendar, right? And like, Hey, I'm going to be gone for five days. And then I always end up like the day before saying, well, I'm leaving tomorrow so I can hunt for five days. So it turns into like seven days with drive time. Right. Yeah. So in my, I just like, I guess my, uh, trying to utilize my time as well as possible. I just left the night, like put the kids to bed. And then I bombed out right after that. And I drove through the night and I was supposed to get there, I think by like four o'clock or three o'clock or something like that. Oh, here we I, go. Get a, I get a call from Aaron or a text from Aaron. He's like, Hey dude, uh, I need you to stop somewhere along the way and get game bags. I forgot game bags. Oh my gosh. Here we go. Typical Van Workham. <laughs> hey, <laughs> And then also Belmer forgot us a, a, like a spoon or a fork to eat his dinner. So oh I had to get a fork for him. So I added about an hour to my, my trip. So by the time I got up there, got parked, the road was way worse than Aaron made it out to be. So I was like, <laughs> just tiptoeing up the mountain in my truck, getting scratches all down the side. That's like, why you need that taco life, bro. I guess. I was like, why didn't you tell me? I would have brought a four-wheeler or something. <laughs> I thought I was going to end up with flat tires. and But I, I got up there, got parked, got my stuff set up, and headed up the hill. And like Aaron showed in the film, like that's a grind up that hill. So, yeah, uh, yeah, it was it was a fun hike through the night. And it's always fun going in the dark when you've never been there before. Oh, you man, never know if you're going to get cliffed out. So... Anyways, it ended up being pretty good, and I made it up there to camp just in time to lay down, catch about 15 minutes of sleep, and then it was opening morning. <laughs> <laughs> so so how did you feel? Like, how did your body feel? Uh, I mean, I felt okay. I was, I was fine. I was, I'm in pretty decent shape. Uh, try and stay in shape all year round. So, uh, yeah, not really a big deal. It was – I was tired for sure, but – I was so amped up to be on that hunt. I look forward to this, like my early season archery deer hunts more than anything. So, uh, you know, there's so much preparation and, and anticipation that goes on before this hunt. So really it doesn't matter how much sleep I get. Like I'm going to be awake. I'm going to be, I'm in it. That's awesome. All right. How many feet of vertical is it hiking up that beast? Uh, I think Aaron said something like 22,000 feet, like we're hunting Mount Everest. Top of Everest or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I misspoke. My bad, guys. <laughs> uh, I don't, to be honest, I'm not sure. Uh, you, uh, it's right. probably like 3,000 or something like that. That's a, dude, that's a haul. 
with the with all that water and whatnot, that's definitely a haul. Yeah, that that was the biggest issue is my pack was so heavy because yeah. I was packing so much water. Okay, so let me ask you this: you know where Yumi and Taylor camp for bonsai bears, and we had yeah. and we had to go get my bear, mm-hmm. and we we hiked that open face. Yeah, is it worse than that? That took us about two and a half hours to get up that. It's uh, it's pretty similar to that. Okay. I would say maybe a little rockier, maybe. Oh, there's some rocky spots you and me and Taylor went yeah. up too. No, it's it's probably it's similar. No. Um the day that I packed my my buck out, I bombed back in there with a like basically an empty pack. So uh I was able to fly in there pretty pretty quick, but man with a heavy pack it was a grind. Yeah. I'm guessing that's probably that bare spot, twenty five hundred feet. So if you guys are twenty five hundred to three thousand feet, that's that's definitely in a haul, especially you know, during the early season, that's going to be super hot. Ty went in at night, so that, I mean, he had the coolness of the night. Oh, yeah, it was money. Yeah, he had that working for him. But the other thing, too, that you don't really think about in the high country is it'll get cold on you up there. Even during the summer, you, you can just freeze, and there's one point during the film where you guys' cheese, teeth was chattering. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was way cold. And and really, you'll see in the film, we had a opening day about I think it was like six o'clock at night, six or seven, a big storm rolled through. And so hiking in was super cold and then it was blowing like 30 miles an hour all, all that day. And just as that storm came in. And so it was way cold because it was windy and we obviously tried to pack light. So we didn't have a ton of, uh, clothing. So we, we just had like one, you know, one really light puffy. I think Tyler grabbed more layers than I did, but it, it was cold and that storm blew through and it ended up being pretty hot the rest of the hunt. Right, Tyler? I'm trying to think. It was pretty warm. Besides um, that. Yeah, it was, it was a little warmer the next couple of days. It was, it was a lot colder than I thought it was going to be. We had a little cold snap right before, uh, we went up there and, and like you said, we had that storm roll in, uh, it was just wind is almost windy every day, all day. So up there on top, it, it was, it was pretty chilly. You know, you don't expect it. And I, you don't always pack for, uh, for that, but in the high country, like, you know, you just never know what kind of weather you're going to get. Yeah. You'll notice in the film, the audio, you know, isn't the best. That's because, you know, to glass all those basins, you got to be up on top and then it's blowing 30 miles an hour. And so anyway, it was blowing like crazy. Gosh, I, I hate when the wind is just whipping and you're trying to look through glass and then you actually spot something. Um, you're trying to size it up while your glass is shaking. It just kind of can be a little bit of a miserable experience <laughs> when you're up there just trying to glass and, and find animals and trying to tough it out while, you know, you're freezing your, your balls off, if you will. It can, yeah. be, uh, it can be tough. We, uh, that night when that st- big storm rolled in, Aaron spotted what he said. I never saw it, but he said that he found a, like a really big buck and he was a long ways out there. Uh, but it was, it was windy that storm was rolling in. So there was like some rain coming and we just couldn't really figure out what he was. And then we couldn't find him again. That's tough because mule deer move. And so if you got, you're trying to get a phone scope on him or you're trying to get a spotter on them and they're going from a patch of trees to a patch of trees and you got three seconds to try to <laughs> video them size them up and locate them it's just it's just hard it's just super tough yeah yeah and then also trying to like because that was the end of the day for us because with the storm trying to figure out the plan for the next day is like well we kind of want to go find that big buck but we don't know exactly how big it was because our spotters were shaking all over the place. And right. it's just like, gosh. I think we've all seen bucks that we thought were really big and really weren't. So, yeah. You, and you always have to um, cross them off and investigate them. So it sucks when you spend a bunch of time on a buck that wasn't the buck you thought it was. You know, So you don't want to do that, especially when you're in limited time. You're trying to get back to family, work, and all these other obligations. You really have to maximize every single second that you're up there, and it's tough. Yeah, and I mean, on top of that, closer to us, we found a few nice bucks that we would have went after that day. 
but there were so many does and two points and there was just so many deer surrounding those nice bucks. And then we knew the storm was coming in early too. And when you drop down into those drainages, you're all day. You're not getting back till late, late, late. So we're like, okay, well, and so it's, it was really frustrating that first day. It was nice that we found good bucks, but we couldn't go after them. We're like, we know a storm's coming. There's no play on them. They're not bedded in a good place. There's too many deer. So it was like, man, day one was like good, but it was frustrating. Yeah. Is it accurate to say that a lot of your decisions were based off your water supply? Or mm. did you feel like you guys were watered up pretty good? No, I felt, I felt like we took enough up that uh, I wasn't ever concerned about that, about conserving water or anything. If we had to, like we could hike back to the truck and, and uh, make the hike back in, which sucks. That's why we took so much water up there. But if we had to, it is what it is. We always plan on killing a buck in the first two or three days. So also go down and refill them. I think the better way to put it is our decisions were based off of opportunity and energy like expenditure because like Tyler said like we weren't afraid if we had to we'd go back and get water it sucked but we'd do it but it was more of well day one we we're like oh we got a storm coming in at six but also we're like okay you know is this a good enough opportunity that we're okay to spend you know half a day and a whole bunch of energy and that was more so how we based every stock and decision off of yeah I fully agree like I don't, I don't like making stocks if I don't think they're going to pan out, especially up there in the high country. Like it takes a lot of energy to put on a stock that could take three, four hours, maybe, maybe longer to make the hike all the way around. And, and, uh, so I, I, I don't even try unless they're in, like, I think that I have a pretty decent chance. Yeah. Otherwise it's just not worth the energy. Yeah. And those high country stocks too are pretty difficult because fairly steep and you're always seem like you're kicking a lot of debris down when you're trying to get on those animals. And it seems like those animals are always waiting for something to come, um, above them. So it's like, they're like looking up, you know, a lot of times they'll look down across and down through the basin, but it seems like they're, if, if they hear any slippage of rock, tree, branch, log, they're like, they know it's a predator and they're gone. So it's like, the margin for error is nil, in in my opinion, on some of them bucks. But uh, talk about how it was stalking. What was hard about it was there were so many deer in this in this basin. Uh, otherwise, you know, it would have it would have been all right. The other issue was they they weren't at the tops of these ridges. They were more like. And I don't know if it was because the wind was in there or what, but they had dropped down towards the bottom of the basin and uh, they were kind of in like the brush and timber down lower. So that makes it way harder to sneak in um, when there's all this, all this brush and stuff that you have to get through in order to get within bow range. So were you able to bed them up as they would kind of go into the trees and the brush or were they bedding up? and you guys were losing sight of them, or how, how did that work? Yeah, I would say they were bedding multiple times a day, right? They're eating, bedding all day. And so what's funny is we'd, we'd bed them, and we'd cut some distance, and then they're up again. Mm. And it's like, oh, my gosh. So now we got to watch them for two more hours. And then they'd go across the next ridge and drop down into the you know next deep ravine. Now we can't see them. So it's like at least once a day, I felt like we would bet them where you could see them. And then as soon as you started to move after them, they're up again feeding and, and they're moving to the next spot. And so I, I don't know, is that kind of how you felt? I felt like they were kind of up all day and it was, yeah, it was tough. I mean, we never were like, oh man, that buck's bedded in a great place that we can go after. I don't think that happened once during the whole hunt. No, I don't think so. Pretty much. And every time that they would bed in a decent spot that we could see them and they would stay bedded for a long time, there was always deer up above them or something that we couldn't make the stock and, and get down in on them. So yeah, we just didn't for the first day and a half, we just didn't have those opportunities. Um, but on day two, 
there was a group of bucks, a bachelor group of bucks that had two shooters in our mind. And, uh, and so we were able to bed them down. They weren't in the best spot that we couldn't sneak within bow range, uh, in their beds, but we were able to put a plan together that we were going to basically ambush them. So Aaron was going to go on one side on a finger ridge. They were kind of in the bottom of a draw. So Aaron was going to go on a finger ridge and I was going on the opposite finger ridge and hopefully they would feed one way or the other uh, to, to one of us because we just weren't going to be able to get close enough. That's a pretty clever strategy. So the adjustment you guys made was you guys were going to try to ambush them somewhat. And, and if, if one of you blew a stock, hopefully the deer would, their escape routes would lead them to the next hunter or Aaron in this case. Yeah. hundred percent. So how did that work Aaron? I, I think there's a clip in the film where there was a bunch of bucks headed to you. Like Ty spooked them. It was working out perfect. And, and what happened there? Speak to that. Yeah. So I was, I was, doing my plan, I was going to go up, up and around and get on, onto that finger ridge. And I'm going across, I, I just got out of this burn and there's like a hundred yards where it's just open, super steep, but open. So I just start making my way across and I'm like 10 yards from this really big, just burn stump that had fell over. And I hear something behind me and I look behind me and these two big bucks are coming right at me. What were they for bucks? One was a three by three with a bunch of trash. And then, uh, another one I believe was like a three by four. No, it was a four by four with big back forks and then crabby fronts, mm-hmm. but huge frame, 27 inch, 26 inch oh, frame. Nice. Good frame. So you're thinking, Oh man, it's going to oh. happen. It's going to happen. Yeah. But the problem is I was in the wide open. And so those bucks come to 110 right at the edge of that burn. So I, I just made it through that burn and I was to the edge of the next one. And I look back and they stop at the edge of the burn and like big bucks do, they're smart, right? So mm-hmm. they pick up their head, both of them. They're just scanning everywhere because they don't want to go in the open unless they know. And then they're like, man, what's, and then the, the big three point looks at me and just, <laughs> so I was like, gosh, dang it. So do you wish you would have went a little bit slower and you would have had an opportunity at them? Would that have worked out better? I mean, I wish I would have, yeah, stayed in that burn and, mm. and just, I mean, I felt like I was taking my time and going pretty slow. It just didn't work out. Yeah. But yeah, and I don't know if the wind eventually switched. He for sure didn't like my shape. He's like, nah, something's weird about that. Mm-hmm. I didn't move, but he just, they eventually just, you know, whirled around and went over the top. The Crazy how one. smart they are. Oh, yeah. Do you think they winded you or do you think they just, mm-hmm. do you think he smelled you? He could have smelled my tracks. He could have yeah. smelled you that you walked through there. He could have. Yeah. Yeah, you could tell, and both of them were big, mature bucks. They're like, geez, yeah. that sucks. Both of them were smart. They had their eyes, ears, noses going. Yeah. I was like, it just, it just has to. It just goes to show how many things have to go your way for an archery high country hunt to work out. Yeah. Let alone on a mature buck. You yeah. Know? So, Ty, what was going on on the other side of the finger ridge while Aaron, that was going on? Well, things were going my way. <laughs> I could tell you that. So we had, uh, me and Belmer, we were heading down and we were going to head way down the drainage and Aaron was taking the high route. Well, when we started dropping down right down below our glassing point, man, there was just deer sign all over the place. There were beds where you could tell they had been using that. So we were moving pretty slow, you know, trying to um, glass as we went, try not to bump anything. And we ended up bumping some does and, uh, a couple, two points with some does. So we were definitely in the deer and I was glassing across to where all those bucks were, we were making a play on and just got lucky. And there was a buck bedded on our side of the, of the basin on a little finger ridge. And, uh, I saw that he was a decent buck. He was probably like a 160 to 170 buck. And uh, going into this hunt, me and Aaron didn't have any like specific size range that we were that we were gonna, you know, hold out for. It was just a a good frame, mature buck. Like that's all that we were really after. So um, this guy looked like he was that. So I decided it was kind of on the way to where we we're going anyways. I'm like, well, we might as well try and make a play on this buck. 
So we start sneaking over and we get on top of the finger ridge that he's bedded on and start sneaking down that. And then I think, man, I don't even know where he was bedded on that ridge. So I hop on base map and this, this is the first time I've done this, but it like saved my bacon and really made, made it possible for me to kill this buck. So I was tracking and that's why I track a lot of the time is I, I was tracking. So I knew exactly where I was when I spotted him. And then I picked a point on the map that was, well, I was glassing those bucks. So I knew he was between that point and the other bucks. So I drew a line on base map and then where it intersected that finger ridge, I put, I dropped a waypoint and I figured, well, that buck's got to be right there or close. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It gave me a little spot to, to aim for when I was making my stock. Cause it was going to be blind. Yeah. Especially in new country making stocks, you don't know the country. So it's like, Oh right. man, I know what rock he's bedded beneath. Here I go. It's like, man, yeah. you get over there and you don't know if it was that rock or that rock or that rock or that rock. What ledge. Yeah. So that, that's pretty cool how you utilize those tools to be able to pinpoint that buck and put an accurate, we'll call it stock on him. Yeah. Not only that, but it's just like it, everything always looks different when you get over there, right? 100%. So so we start sneaking down this ridge and on the, the backside of it, the stuff that we couldn't see until we got over there, man, it looked really good and it looked like there was potentially going to be some bucks over there. So I stayed on the opposite side uh, of that ridge and kind of snuck down and then I'd peek over and glass a little bit and then I'd sneak down and then pop over and glass. And like the second or third time we, we started popping over the top and my head was just sticking up over the top and I see his buck standing there and he's staring right at us. No. So I tell Belmer, I'm like, okay, stop, get down. Actually, I told him not to move at all. I was like, get the camera on, film that buck. And I dropped down, got my bow off, took my pack off, got my bow out. And I had one tree between me and that buck's head. And, but he was like on Belmer. So I start sneaking in and at the, right at the beginning, I'm like 110 yards or something like that. Well, I start just, I'm in the wide open. I just have this one tree between us. So I stand up and I start walking towards him whenever the wind blows. I can't move very fast because it's super quiet, but the wind would pick up. And so I'd be able to take some steps and cover some ground. I closed the distance to like 75 yards. And uh, then all of a sudden I felt the wind hit my back and he started taken off and there's another buck bedded right there the three point with trash uh jumped up and they both took off and th- i think those are the two bucks that actually ended up running up straight to aaron oh which means they covered a lot of ground because really we weren't close so so you're thinking the gig's over yeah i'm like man well no i i thought that i well i thought i was going to kill that buck i thought i was going to get close enough if if i would just had a little more wind i would have I would have got there before the wind switched and uh, I probably would have shot that buck. But anyways, so we blow them out. We get back on the, on the Ridge back to uh, going after the deer that we were originally after. And we start moving. we move another maybe 10, 15 yards. We hear some crashing off the other side of the Ridge. Well, we see this buck take off and I'm like, Oh crap, that was him. I glass over there and it's like a 28 inch wide two point like this, a giant two point. Wow. I'm like, well, it's not the buck I was after basically from where that buck was that we were stalking. So I'm like, there's no way this other buck is still there after all this commotion. Like he's going to be gone. But I just, well, we're here. We might as well just act like he's still there. We haven't seen him yet. And maybe somehow miraculously he's still there so we start sneaking down i'm looking at my my waypoint on base map and i can see that we're you know getting in close so we drop our packs we're within you know 100 yards drop our packs and then there's this little uh it's almost like a rock outcropping that we're able to sneak down on and it drops off pretty good after that so so he can't see any of our movement 
I sneak down on that. Sure enough, I peek over it, and there he is, bedded at 50 yards. No way. No idea that we're there. That's why you always assume the target is still there, unless you actually yeah. see him peel out. I, I've made that mistake right there. This is this is a learning segment here for you folks, because I, I've blown deer out. I'm like, yeah, there's no way that buck's still there. And then you go, and you're lazy and haphazardly, you know, hike there. Well, I'll just make sure. And then he's sitting there, and you're like, shoot, if I just would have... You know, so that's interesting that that worked out that way for you. And you were thinking the same thing other than you didn't give up on it. Yeah. And I, the only reason I did that is because I'm sure I've done that in the past. And that's just something that I, that I've learned and like, Hey man, until you know, you don't know. So treat it as, you know, he's still there. So, so I did, it worked out and we were both able to get down there on that little flat spot. So me and Belmer both sneaked down to that spot and, you know, we get set up. You know, I have my arrow knocked. I'm ready to go. I start ranging stuff. Belmer's right there on my hip. So I'm thinking this is too good to be true. Like, like you said, everything has to go your way on these hunts for you to be successful. And it was just with all these deer that we had blown out and they didn't spook him. He was still there. It was too good to be true. And I've been in this situation before where I'm in bow range. I got a buck bedded. I just got to wait for him to stand up and almost always the wind switches or he stands up and feeds straight away or something. I'm like, I told them, this is too good to be true. Like something's going to go wrong. And, uh, and so we're sitting there, we end up sitting there for an hour and a half, almost two hours. Oh, wow. Just getting baked by the sun. Oh, baked. And I'm like sitting on my feet. So my feet are asleep and <laughs> it was, Oh my gosh, it was, yeah, it sucked. Yeah. I have all these, I think that he's going to feed out on the left-hand side where it's pretty open. I figure he's going to feed out that way, you know, a little better feed out, out there. And so I'm ranging everything and I'm like, I'm thinking I'm probably going to get like a 35 to 45 yard shot. And uh, so we have it all planned out. Sure enough, we hear something up above us. And so we turn around and look up there and then we turn back to look at the buck and he's gone. He's out of his bed. So I start like freaking out. So, so you're like, what the heck? Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden I see on the right-hand side, we're on the top, like I said, the top of this little finger ridge. On the right-hand side, it's more of like a north-ish, northeast facing slope. And so it's a lot brushier, a uh, lot fewer shooting lanes. So I catch a glimpse of him busting off to the right through the brush. I'm like, gosh, dang it. Like I knew it. I'm not going to get a shot. And so he, all of a sudden he turns and he starts running uphill straight to us. <laughs> uh, Belmer's getting the camera on him. We're shaking all over the place, you know, trying to get situated. This buck comes up all the way, like within 20 yards of us. And then he turns and side hills. What the heck? He Like his body's behind this down tree. So I can't shoot, can't shoot. That was pretty much my opening. And then I got brush on the right-hand side of that. And he blew through the last shooting window I had, and he's standing behind the brush. You shot him through the brush or over the brush? So he's behind the brush right now. And I'm like, I can just see his head. And and uh, I see, basically, there's one more little opening. He stops behind the brush. He keeps, and then he starts moving again. And he walks up, and he stops, and he's got just a tiny window where I can see the top of his back and basically a hole a foot a foot wide that gives me just an open window right to where I needed to shoot unfortunately so Belmer was on my right hand's hip like right behind me this buck runs up the hill and to the right so now I've swung all the way around and I'm basically shooting over Belmer's shoulder is that why Belmer didn't catch the shot then is because he would have stood up and been right in your shooting lane yeah exactly so if he stood up what should have happened is he should have moved around kind of behind me as the buck was kind of trotting uphill mm -hmm. and uh but he didn't he st stayed where he was because he didn't want to spook the buck which I totally understand right like but I'm thinking this is going to be the most epic kill footage ever. Right. So anyways, I'm shooting basically over shoulder. So he, he can't stand up and he can't get the kill shot, but 
I thought at least he was probably could see the buck. Mm. And so that's why I elected to take the shot. I thought we were still going to get the kill shot footage. I knew it wasn't like perfect because he wasn't behind me. We weren't going to have me in the frame, but I thought he was going to be on the buck and we we're going to get it. So I took the shot. It was a hard quarter and away shot. I put it just to the right of the spine and it blew through his chest, went out his chest, passed through and he took off and then crashed. And like, I, I couldn't be happier. I was so pumped. So why did he bust out of his bed, Ty? Do you, do you know why still, or do you have an assumption why he went right at you? That's crazy. Yeah. So there was a couple of times where we heard that, that noise up above us. It sounded like some bucks walking or something or some deer walking. So I don't know what was up there, who it was making noise, um and also the wind was just a little bit sketchy so there's a couple times where it started blowing a little bit downhill but then it switched right away and come back uphill so maybe he got a little whiff of us i noticed on the video um you had your wind checker out and you were you know squeezing it and a couple times it was going left and then all of a sudden right before the buck comes out it's going to the right so i, I noticed it was the wind was a little bit sorely for you yeah. Yeah. Which started making me nervous. I'm like, that got me on edge. I'm like, okay, he's there's, he might stand up and blow out. So I just made sure Belmore was ready. Like, Hey, yeah. this could happen quick. And it, it sure did. No, I thought that was pretty epic. Obviously I'm a little bit being the boss man and, and whatnot. I'm a little bit disappointed. We didn't get that kill shot, but I understand why. Um, and it's, and I, and I know that it's tough getting these high country kill shots. I mean, geez, it's, you're, at the end of the day, you're still trying to kill a, a wild animal and, uh, with, with, with archery equipment and, and trying to film it, it, it's tough. There's so many things working against you. And to, I think this is a, a, a perfect instance where things worked for you. Buck literally runs at you instead of away from you. I mean, I, I wonder what the, the likelihood is that he, he, he would uh, run towards you and give you an opportunity. I would say it's not very high. Yeah. And even if he would have just not come towards me and just, you know, stopped once he moved out to the right, like I would, could have got a shot too, but it just so happened that he, he ran uphill towards me. So heck man, like I'll take it. And I was, I was so excited. I think that was my biggest focus this year going into this hunt is I wanted to make sure that I put a good shot on, on a buck if I got an opportunity. So I put a lot of time in behind the bow. Um, you know, I've struggled with target panic. And so I moved to a, a back tension release and, uh, it made a world of difference for me. Just like every time I have to execute a perfect shot. And if I'm not executing the perfect shot, I'll let down. Like it's just taken a lot of discipline to build that, that muscle memory and and then to have this situation where it all happens so fast that you have to rely on that muscle memory that you've built over you know just reps and reps and reps and reps um, because you're not thinking about those things in the moment right uh you just have it has to be second nature for you so for it to happen like that to really just be able to put the pin on him right where i want and pull through the shot man like that's awesome it, and i don't know how well it shows it in the film but like i was so pumped i've killed bigger deer than this one right but it just it meant a lot to me it felt like a huge accomplishment and and also i thought we got the kill shot i thought it was going to be the most epic footage ever <laughs> i was so stoked yeah yeah i can imagine <laughs> then belmer's like oh i don't know if i got it i think i was on him i'm like oh, oh no yeah i've heard that a time or two from him and it's not really his fault right like maybe maybe that's a learning experience for him and and he'll take a little more risk to try and get the shot but i totally understand where he's coming from he doesn't want to blow an opportunity for me right and i've yeah. been in the situation as a cameraman as well yeah absolutely well, let's let's talk about the devastate well, okay let's talk about the satisfaction of the thwack of the arrow hitting that body cavity at close range isn't that freaking awesome <laughs> yeah when you can watch it the whole way and you like i saw as soon as i shoot you hear me say i smoked him like i i knew i smoked him and uh Oh my gosh, there's nothing better than, than being there and, and hearing exactly having it go down the way you want it to go down. Right. 
we'll talk about the devastation at Sever 1.5 too. Do you, did you were you able to kind of see what that did? That I don't think the video supported uh, supported what it did, so we didn't really get a good look at that. Can you describe it? Oh my gosh, yeah, it was it was such a good blood trail. Like I I think. I don't know if the arrow fully passed through or passed through like to the fletchings. And then when he took off, uh, it popped out the rest of the way. But as soon as that, I found the arrow after that, the blood trail was just like, it was a river, man. That thing just opened him up. And, uh, I don't think I really hit any bone, any ribs or anything like that. Like I think I put it, he was quartering real hard. So I think I was just behind the, the rib cage. And like I said, it blew out the chest. How far did he go? 50 yards. Oh, really? Wow. He went 50 yards. And so we heard him take off. We heard like all the crashing of him taking off. And all of a sudden the sound just stopped. <laughs> That's and cool. And so we were glassing the opposite hillside, like looking for him, asking him, like, did you see him? You see him? I can't find him. I think he's right down here. So we start sneaking over there just to see if he's standing there in the bottom of the draw. And if I need to put another arrow in him. And... Oh, I see him down there. He's just laying there. So that was it. That's where he died. Velvet, perfectly. Yards, died within probably yeah. 10 seconds. That's awesome, man. 10 seconds. That's that's insane. So you're exhausted at this point. You put on a long labor of stock. You've been getting baked into the sun. What time of day was it after you snapped pictures and um, got the buck taken care of? Yeah, I think it ended up being about 6 o'clock when I shot the buck. Um, and then we got down to him. We had to go back up, get our packs, and then come back down. So uh, we probably got to him around 6.30-ish, uh, maybe a little bit later. Started taking pictures, doing that whole thing, and the sun was going down. So um, by the time we got him pictures taken and all that, it was it was just about, I don't know, it was probably 8 o'clock. So we had an hour to start cutting him up and, and getting him cooled off, and half of half of it was in the dark. All right, well, hold on, Ty. There's still another guy in this picture that uh, it's not getting talked about here. That's me. Well, I, yeah, I didn't care about you, man. I had just <laughs> killed the buck. Yeah, right. You wanted my help. I take that back. I did. I did care about you because I wanted to get a hold of you so you could come <laughs> pack my buck out. Yeah. Well, unlike Ty, I wasn't ad libbing. I followed through with the plan, and uh, I got to my <laughs> finger ridge. And uh, I was sitting there and I found all those bucks, like 180, 200 yards right below me. Wind in my face. I was like, I'm not going to screw it up for Tyler. So you could have made a stock. Uh, not really. No. Mm. Uh, it was super thick down timber and uh, th- there's no way. And, but at, at, at one point I was like, okay, it's time for me to make a move. And so all of a sudden this big, uh, we, Ty and I called him Forky. Ty really liked him. He had super deep forks. He, he's probably like 10 inches wide, but he's way tall, big forks. Anyway, he gets up, start feeding. This is while I'm on my way at him. And of course, all the bucks stand up with him and they all start feeding down the drainage opposite of me. I was like, gosh, dang it. It's like, where's Ty at? They're going, there's, they should be going right at him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, anyway, so you guys forgot about me for a second, but <laughs> so, so the bucks fed away from Aaron. Uh, didn't, didn't, Aaron didn't get lucky like Tyler. Let's no. put it that way. Meanwhile, Ty's fist bumping and chest bumping Belmer and just having the time of his life. Ty is taking his shirt off, whipping around like a helicopter. <laughs> yeah. Every time. No, uh, what, what I'm hearing from this is I was going to be successful either way, whether I killed this buck or made it over to the other side, like the bucks fed my way i would have gotten another shot at no they literally got up and fed they fed right under the the cliffs that you were going to go to so man so either way tyler looked like tyler had the better the, yeah the, the the better route that day he did sounds like i'm living better than you Aaron. you were at the time yeah <laughs> <laughs> how long did it take you to pack that buck back to uh, spike camp it took a while so we got him cu- cut up and then uh loaded up i think I can't remember how we split everything up. I think Belmer took like the front quarters and maybe, maybe back straps. And I had the Heinz and the Cape and head and all that. So you guys were loaded down. I can't remember. Maybe he, I think he just took front quarters. Yeah. Anyways, I can't remember, 
but we were loaded down and it was it wasn't a long pack out it wasn't that that far but it was just steep mm-hmm. it is straight up back to camp so it, with that much weight on it was just a slow grind through the night and uh what time did you get back i think it was midnight twelve thirty, something like that we finally got back to camp and all all aaron was in his tarp just sleeping away oh he was snoozing oh man that guy he'll snooze anywhere him and peyton both yeah yeah he was out so i got up there woke him up and uh it was it was kind of cool to see how excited he was when i got back to camp and i think he was pretty surprised i don't think he thought that i killed that buck killed a, a deer that night so oh he was he was definitely elated so uh uh, yeah, I don't need, think I'd ever seen him so excited before. <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, well, first off, I was dead asleep. I was in my REM sleep. I was uh, out cold, and uh, I heard Ty make some squeaks outside, and, uh, you know, it was dark, and I saw Ty's face, and that's all I could see. And then all of, all of a sudden, Ty, like, I don't know if it's him or Belmer, but they put, like, the, the light on the antlers, and I was like, oh, my gosh. And I was... I was half asleep. Like I remember waking up like partway through my celebration <laughs> and I was like, Oh my gosh, I, I was dead asleep. And yeah, I was, I was pretty stoked. I was pretty, pretty embarrassed at how stoked I was after watching the video, but <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what was a shit show in the, in the, in the scouting department? Um, I think you guys went in there with not having a lot of knowledge and, uh, Hover never never made it to the top of the basins and got in there. I think you guys, the first leg, we're calling it the first leg. We're not going to talk about Aaron's side of the hunt yet. We'll cover that in a different podcast. But you guys are really successful. And I, I think that attributes to two guys that wanted to accomplish something, the task at hand, which was, you know, one mature buck. And you guys pulled that off. And you got it mostly on film, we'll say. <laughs> mostly. <laughs> mostly. Yeah. But no, it, it it's an epic journey. Everyone loves high country mule deer, and that's what this is. And you guys went in there with the determination to get it done, and you did with archery equipment, which is very, very difficult to do. Hats off to you, boys. All I wanted was a shout-out. Didn't get it from either of you, but that's okay. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> in fact, I was getting the play-by-play with uh, by, with from Tyler while I was in Alaska with Nick on my DIY Alaskan moose hunt because – Aaron had his Mickey Mouse uh, cell phone service, and so I couldn't get a hold of him. So Tyler was giving me the play-by-play, and let me just say I was really excited for you guys. Yeah, that was a. I, I don't think Ty or I could have uh, dreamed it up any better. Um, like Ty said, our expectations were a big, mature, big frame, just mature deer, and Ty. That's exactly what Ty got. I mean, extremely heavy buck. <laughs> great tall i mean we haven't really talked about what kind of buck you killed but it was a great buck velvet perfect yeah just a beautiful deer and he had a big roman nose you know their summer coats are super thin and they always look like little giraffes to me like little mini giraffes just skinny necks and Mm -hmm. but ty's buck didn't like big roman nose he had rolls of fat on his neck like you can just tell he's an old mature buck is awesome that's cool yeah you can't ask for much more than that um, no, like like we talked about like at the beginning, like these uh, these hunts are all about the adventure for me, and and it was all there from from the weather. Uh, well, speaking of that, we never talked about that storm and that night, uh, the the first night. Oh my gosh, it started. We we raced back to camp after we saw that buck. We raced back to camp. And we hadn't even set up our tarps yet. Me and Aaron, we were trying to go light because we were, you know, carrying so much water, going so far, so high. Like, we were trying to be as light as possible. So we took tarps. I haven't ever really, like, committed to just having a tarp as a shelter. And so we hadn't set them up. We rushed back to camp, set up our tarps, and they're not in the best spots because we're rushing so fast. And that rain and hail came in, and it dumped for a few hours (laughs) almost immediately like probably 20 minutes in after we get situated in our tarps it's just a flood zone under our tarps (laughs) and uh so aaron bails right away he jumps in in belmer's one-man tent with him you better believe i did they're like hey there's room in here for one more i'm like yeah right there's not room for all of us in there (laughs) and so i just 
I toughed it out and just slept in the water all night. How was that? <laughs> it was one of the longer nights I've had. I've had a couple longer nights uh, where I was really <laughs> just freezing all night, but that it was, it was not fun. I'm like trying to keep all my stuff as dry as possible. And meanwhile, I'm just laying in this mud and water. It's like an inch and a half deep underneath my tarp. But, yeah, in the video, Aaron's grinning from ear to ear because he's in there in the tent with uh, Belmer, and he's just yeah. like, yeah, <laughs> Tyler's in the tarp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you thought it was pretty funny that I was out there so miserable. I oh. think that's why Ty got the opening day buck. I mean, it wasn't opening day, but I think that's why Ty got the first buck of the trip. I think so, too. But you know what's funny? This this was the best part. We woke up the next morning. I looked under my under my tarp, dry as can be. Looked under Ty's tarp completely wet so, so he could have jumped in yours yes my my tarp was set up perfectly but he was up against this like these logs and so like the rain would hit the logs and then just run right under his tarp <laughs> so i could have stayed under mine and i would have been fine but ty thighs was in a terrible spot yeah oh man well maybe maybe uh, maybe i earned a little luck but yeah, I, uh, I think you were toughing there. that out man that that's always hard too because we're you know you have a the end of a long day and really you need to eat some food, but that is the last thing you want to do when you're soaking wet under this tarp. That's a shoddy setup. And, yeah. and then I have to get all my food out and get the jet boil out and make a meal. I'm oh like, yeah. That's the last thing you want to do. You're like, this blows. What am I doing up here? Yeah. But that's what makes it fun. That's what makes it memorable. Memorable. So it was, it was good. That's awesome. Well, thanks. Thanks, guys, for listening to the behind the scenes of Burn Bucks, our newest film. Uh, it's part of the Senate Series 2.0. Be sure to check it out on YouTube. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. Like the video. Leave a comment. Share it on social. That's what's going to help us grow. If you appreciate the content we're putting out, you appreciate the level of effort, um, the epicness of the adventure, help us out by sharing it, please. And then also on this podcast, send me an email at Eric with a K E R I K at mealyfreak.com. Give us some feedback. Let us know what you thought. Uh, we were experiencing a little bit of audio glitches on this, so we're going to try to correct it post. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll see how we did here. Uh, leave us a review on this podcast, like it, subscribe. Thanks Ty for joining us. We'll catch you guys on the next one.